Welcome to Let's Talk MedTech, the premier podcast for the medical device and diagnostics industry. My name is Omar Ford, and I'm the managing editor of MDDI, an online publication that covers the device and diagnostics industry owned by Informa. On this episode of Let's Talk MedTech, we're going to be speaking with Glenn Hunzinger. He's the U.S. Pharma and Life Science Leader at PricewaterhouseCoopers. And we're going to be speaking with him about the Pharmaceutical and Life Sciences Deals Insights 2021 Mid-Year Outlook Report. It's always a great conversation whenever we have someone from PwC on. PwC truly has a wealth of information and knowledge on the medical device and diagnostics industry. But before we get into that conversation with Glenn, I want to talk a little bit about the Illumina and Grail merger. Now, this deal has taken so many twists and turns. And it started when Illumina announced in September of last year that it was going to acquire Grail for about $8 billion. You know, both companies issued a statement about the proposed deal. And prior to that, there were a couple things that were going on that are worth noting. Number one, there were rumors that Illumina was going to acquire Grail. Um, some reports start uh, popping up in media outlets saying, hey, this is a possibility. And also, if you recall, and this is another uh, important point that I want to highlight, Grail was in the process of going public through an IPO. So it was a really interesting time for Grail. Now, in late March, early April, around that time frame, the deal went off the rails, or it, it, let's say this, it encountered its first roadblock because the Federal Trade Commission filed a lawsuit to, to block the deal. Uh, they said that it would, the proposed acquisition would diminish innovation in the U.S. market for multi-cancer early detection tests. Soon after FTC challenged the deal, the European Commission came and they challenged it as well. And the deal just, things got even, I don't want to say crazier, but things got a little more complicated. Let's use that word instead, complicated. Now, there'd been some back and forth uh, with the deal with the European Commission. Uh, The spat, you know, it's kind of back and forth with, Illumina and the European Commission for a while. Don't want to dwell on that. I want to dwell on what happened uh, earlier this month. And that was Illumina went ahead and said, hey, we're going to acquire Grail anyway. But what we're going to do is we are going to hold Grail as a separate company during the European Commission's ongoing regulatory review and FTC uh, investigation. They said, hey, we're going to go ahead and do this. Going to hold it as a separate company. um, And whatever FTC does, whatever FTC says, we will abide by that ruling. And now this is what they said about the European uh, Commission. They said, that since Grail does not conduct business in the UE, the company believes that the European Commission does not have jurisdiction to review the merger. Wow. Yes. 
Illumina went ahead with that and, and, and said that, and the European Commission fired back. The European Commission said, hey, we're going to launch a separate investigation that, see, that will see if Illumina was in violation when it completed the acquisition of Grail during the ongoing investigation, and Illumina could be subject to fi uh, fines. This got really sticky very quickly. And you might be asking, well, why did Illumina go ahead and, and move forward with the deal? Well, a couple of things to consider. First, Illumina, there were certain deal terms that were set to, expi to expire. And Illumina, recall, Illumina said uh, they first announced this deal in September of 2020. We're almost a year out. And Illumina probably wants to wrap this up quick, doesn't want to lose any type of in advantages or any type of deal terms. They want to go ahead and acquire Grail. You know, so that's uh, that's a reality for them. Another thing that I don't think it's covered in media outlets uh, that much is Illumina used to own Grail. Illumina launched Grail in 2016. Yes, Illumina launched Grail in 2016. And the crazy thing about it is I remember I was writing for another publication at another company and the announcement was made during JP Morgan's healthcare conference. And I, my son was two at the time. He is seven now. So it was 2016. And I remember, I remember writing about this and it was such a big story. So my point is Illumina used to own Grail. And if I'm in Illumina, I'm saying, how can I not be able to acquire something that I used to own? How can that be? What is the precedent for that? How can I not bring Grail back into the fold when I used to own it? So it'll be interesting to see how this all turned out. Illumina said it would abide by what FTC's ruling says, uh, the European Commission. It'll be interesting to see what comes out of that and if the deal will still hold up after it. It, I mean, what happens if the uh, the antitrust regulatory bodies say, "Hey, we can't allow this deal to to happen"? So it will it will be or to well not happen at this point because it has. Um, it will be interesting to see how this all shakes out and uh, where we're at a, in a couple months from now, because this story is very fluid. Uh, there a lot of moving parts and it's moving very quickly but you all have heard enough of me and i appreciate the time but now on to our conversation with glenn hunzinger from pricewaterhouse coopers glenn thanks for coming on to let's talk medtech today I'm, I'm so glad that you could come here uh really look forward to this discussion today thanks for having me omar super excited to talk about uh this exciting topic here. Yeah. So I'm looking at this, uh, the report, the pharmaceutical and life sciences deals insights, the 2021 mid-year outlook report, uh, fascinating report. One of the things that 
was pointed out in it is that there seemed to have been a, a, a lull in medtech deals in 2020 um, in the latter part. I wonder if you could discuss that. Why did we have this lull? Was it solely fallout from the pandemic or were there any other factors that kind of figured into this? Thanks, Omar. Great question. Uh, you know, the pandemic was a significant contributing factor. You know, most of the med tech companies uh, in general, you know, some of them were, were, were up, but most of them in general, procedures were down. So a lot of them were focused generally inward on cash management and just making sure they could stabilize the business. And in a period of sort of that uncertainty, it's really hard for transactions to happen because it generally it's it's hard to align on pricing. You know, some people may be looking for, for a lower price uh, while a seller you know is not ready to sell uh, because of uh, this kind of short term impact. So we saw sort of a little bit of a you know slower period in 2020. Um, you know, it wasn't too far off uh, 18 and 19, uh, but it was a little slower. And, and as we head into 21, we're certainly starting to see a lot of the uptick there. Sure, sure. Well, now that we're in 2021, there seems to be an uptick in deals. And, and one particular trend that we've been following um, in MedTech is the rise of these SPAC mergers. And could you talk a little bit about that? But before you go into it, could you kind of set the table and maybe briefly describe what these SPOC mergers are? Because there might be some people in our audience that aren't familiar with them. Yeah, uh, SPAC is a special purpose acquisition sort of company. Um, you know, some, some of the background and, and sort of the rise in, in recent in the SPAC is you know, just with asset allocation and the significant amount of money uh, sort of moving around uh, both in the capital markets and into alternative uh, structures such as a SPAC. It was so sort of an uptick, you know, driven sort of uh, by the pandemic here where a lot more money came into kind of a, a, the SPACs. And the SPAC is effectively a, uh, it's a, it's a vehicle, um, a public company that, that sort of has the funds uh, and the focus of going to acquire uh, an operating company. Uh, so ultimately, SPAC's public, operating company private. And so the when the SPAC acquires the uh, sort of that private company, the, the whole sort of uh, vehicle becomes uh, and is public. Uh, so we did see a bit of an uptick overall in SPAC, uh, a little bit on the med tech side. Uh, in general, there was an uptick in just overall M&A activity uh, in, um, in medical devices. Um, just, uh, just because if you look at the, the subsector in general, there's obviously a lot of interest from both the capital markets. Uh, there's a lot of interest, uh, private equity. Private equity uh, has been significant investors in medtech over the years, just given the profile of the businesses, um, as well as obviously the earlier stage around venture capital and otherwise. So you know, certainly a good, uh, a good environment for med tech investing, a lot of capital being deployed in sort of all aspects of, uh, of the businesses from sort of, you know, sort of uh, innovation stage companies uh, through more mature businesses. Well, um, are there any particular kinds of med tech companies that are, are, are more um, uh, susceptible to go through um, SPACs? Um, uh, any sectors, maybe cardiovascular or diagnostic? Uh, did we see any of that or is it just kind of all over the place at this point? Yeah, I think it's very entrepreneurial. 
from everything we've seen, uh, no no significant trend trends that we've witnessed. I think overall, it it, it uh, there is sort of the the front end on sort of uh, pipeline products that that are sort of coming around its back, as well as some businesses that are sort of more mature, if you will, and, and operational businesses. So no significant trend then, but very entrepreneurial, as you can imagine. People want to invest in you know, around the around the subsector with some of the broader uh, sort of tailwinds there. Sure, sure. Now, let's talk diagnostics. I saw last year um, in 2020, I saw just the amount of FDA EUAs, the the mentions of diagnostic tests in, in the media, uh, in media outlets. I knew that we were going to have a big year for, <laughs> for diagnostic companies. And it seems as diagnostic companies now are flush with cash and they're exercising their options. They're acquiring companies. Uh, it seems left and right. We've seen some pretty big deals. Um, we've seen a lot of these acquisitions. But uh, with now that COVID the COVID-19 story is changing a bit, um, uh, are we seeing, do you think we'll see that, uh, any slowdown in this activity, any slowdown in the deals? Yeah, like all, all things that I think are that generally ramp up, you know, there'll be some normalization around just diagnostics in general from a business standpoint. But I think there's some aspect of that that's kind of here to stay, just given uh, given the environment. Um, as far as just the the amount of deals in that space, you know, the diagnostic space has always been so sort of relatively active. Certainly, we've seen a lot of private equity. Um, uh, that have acquired uh, company and businesses in that subsector. So we expect to be some level of continued investment in that area um, as we as we go forward here. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting, interesting. What about any big divestitures? Uh, uh, did we see a lot of that? And maybe some larger strategics have some bloat that they're trying to shed, pieces that don't work anymore in this rather unique economy, the situation that we've had uh, due to the pandemic. I think that is a that is the question right now. I think from how we're seeing all of our sort of larger and even, even medium-sized med tech companies think about how they're going to play, whether or not they want to you know, be a category leader, whether or not they think being a diversified sort of supplier is the right uh, way to go. I think right now more than ever, with some of the, the changing landscape with sort of the payer providers there, uh, I think everyone's looking to sort of reevaluate their portfolio. So it is probably the most active discussion and conversation that we're seeing across the board. I think that you know, the portfolio and your ways to play around that portfolio uh, to us is the biggest strategic question in the uh, in the short term where we think and we believe and we're start, we're seeing a lot more um, companies really focus on how do we make how do they make sure that their capital allocation is sort of maximized here uh, you can invest in the areas uh, of growth and uh, divest the areas where uh, you, it's not as strategic for you or maybe you can't be a category leader and you don't have scale because certainly, in certain places, uh, you either need to be really innovative or uh, you need to have scale. So that proactive portfolio management, I think, um, is becoming now even more so important for uh, for medical device companies. You know, the the ability to invest 
and invest in businesses. You know, there's no unlimited capital out there to be able to do that. So investing wisely around the businesses that'll help you achieve your sort of uh, inorganic and uh, organic growth seems to be the biggest focus. And I think divestitures, you know, the multiples are still high. There's significant amount of appetite on the acquisition side for divestitures, as well as we see a significant amount of private equity um, that really does enjoy investing around carve outs uh, from med tech companies and in particular uh, in sort of this subsector. So we're, we're pretty optimistic that there's going to be a significant amount of divestitures as everyone continues to sort of prune their portfolio and, and look for ways to free up capital to invest in, in where they see the growth for their strategic agenda. Any particular segment of perhaps med tech uh, that we could see this at, uh, that we could see this happen more rapid, rapidly? Um, cardiovascular space, um, uh, digital health space, just curious. Yeah, I think that the vestiges will probably see more of uh, traditional product type stuff. So whether it is to your point, cardiovascular uh, or it's orthopedic or other areas, I think we'll, the, the subsectors of med tech where maybe the growth isn't as significant, you know, where it's sort of flat or low single digit growth, those are the areas where we would see um, the vestitures um, because it's ripe for private equity sort of investment around that. And, and most corporates want to continue to invest around where the tailwinds of the, of the industry are, you know, higher growth areas. Sure, sure. Is this a favorable environment for IPOs uh, when when we look at everything that's going on. Uh, do we see this as being uh, a, a healthy environment for IPOs at this stage in the game? Yeah, to the last uh, year or so, it's really been a very buoyant uh, IPO market. Um, we still see uh, signs that it's uh, still going to be a very um, sort of healthy IPO environment. You know, there's there's certainly um, some potential headwinds out there that, that that are sort of popping up regulatory or otherwise. But in general, I think the amount of investment that wants to be uh, continuously poured into that IPO market um, still is pretty robust. The pipeline that we're seeing is very robust, and so uh, particularly in the in the near term, we're not uh, we're not seeing any signs of it, of it slowing down, and the activity is uh, has sort of never been uh, sort of uh, better uh, in the last uh, sort of 12 to 18 months here. Sure, sure. Any surprises coming out of the report uh, that you can talk about? Anything that kind of really stood out to you uh, that that we should be paying attention to? Yeah, you know, I, I think on, on, the, on, the med, on the med tech side, obviously we saw one large uh, acquisition, you know, private company, uh, acquired by uh, a bunch of different uh, private equity uh, consortium or private equity. And I think, you know, we'll continue to see those, uh, those trends. I think look for private equity to maybe even, uh, you know, take some companies private uh, and look for some continued larger size investments in the, in the med tech space. I think private equity as, as sort of an owner and operator and investor in med, in med tech has been significant. I think we see that trend going to likely accelerate here. And there's a couple of reasons. I mean, I, th I think the med tech, it will continue to transform anytime there's going to be some level of transformation. 
they look for uh, they look for that as an as, as an investment uh, uh, a way to invest around. So we're, we're still pretty buoyant around private equity, the need to build capital there, and around sort of uh, med tech in general. I think as we look at the second half of the year, what's not you know we're, we're, where we believe is we think there's still an opportunity for a larger scale acquisition and certainly some medium sized deals. Uh, to happen. There's still a lot of you know, medium-sized uh, medical device companies that, you know, as we look at sort of that pair of provider universe, the need for scale is going to become sort of important uh, to continue to have the efficiency to invest uh, for the growth. And sort of, you know, being sort of subscale could be at a uh, competitive disadvantage uh, here. So we think the second half of the year and as we head into 22, MedTech uh, should continue to so is, are we officially over the pandemic deal-wise? Um, are we officially moving forward and leaving all that behind? Or is it just uh, going to be a, a still unique ride full of change? Well, I think everyone's trying to lose their rear view mirror here and, uh, and move forward. So no doubt, I think there's uh, a, certainly a level of optimism across everything we're seeing. Uh, and the deals market is is very very active, so I think that's a positive sign. And I think people, you know, will, investors will continue to keep their eyes open uh, and watch for all the different trends. But I think we're, you know, the uh, the sources of capital have never been more robust and make gives gives a lot of uh, tailwinds here uh, for investing in medtech. Yeah. No. Sounds good. Well, Glenn, I want to thank you for coming on. Let's talk med tech. Uh, lots of interesting things coming out of this report and appreciate you for coming on. Thanks for having me, Omar. It's been fun. Thank you.